IndyCar fans, it's time to start your engines. Welcome to Pit Pass Indy, a production of Evergreen Podcast. I'm your host, Bruce Martin, a journalist who regularly covers the NTT IndyCar series. Our goal at Pit Pass Indy is to give racing fans an insider's view of the exciting world of the NTT IndyCar series in a fast-paced podcast featuring interviews with the biggest names in the sport. I bring nearly 40 years of experience covering IndyCar and NASCAR, working for such media brands as NBCSports.com, SI.com, ESPN Sports Ticker, Sports Illustrated, Auto Week, and Speed Sport. So let's drop the green flag on this episode of Pit Pass Indy. The season is underway, and Scott McLaughlin of Team Penske was the king of the streets of St. Petersburg. The native of Christchurch, New Zealand, won his first pole position on Saturday and backed it up with the first win of his NTT IndyCar Series career with an impressive win in the February 27th Firestone Grand Prix of St. Petersburg. During Saturday's qualifications, McLaughlin's number three Chevrolet had a spectacular run at the very end of the Firestone Fast Six to take the pole away from Team Penske teammate Will Power. McLaughlin's lap was 108.940 miles per hour around the 1.8-mile 14-turn temporary street course. Power's best lap was 108.714 miles an hour in the number 12 Chevrolet. McLaughlin led the field at a green flag in front of the largest crowd in Firestone Grand Prix of St. Petersburg history. He led the first 26 laps before making his first pit stop. With varying race strategies playing out that featured six drivers leading laps throughout the 100 laps of the race, McLaughlin was back in the lead when Scott Dixon pitted with 21 laps remaining. McLaughlin would lead the rest of the race to claim his first career NTT IndyCar Series victory. He led a race-high 49 laps but had to fight off a hard-charging Alex Pillow of Chip Ganassi Racing, who closed to within .5095 of a second at the finish line. The 28-year-old Kiwi was already an international racing star with an impressive list of accomplishments before joining IndyCar for the 2021 season. With three Australian Supercar Series championships, 56 Supercars wins, and 76 poles in Supercars, there were few drivers in racing that had the resume or statistics of McLaughlin. Add one more accomplishments to McLaughlin's career list. He is now an NTT IndyCar Series race winner. I caught up with McLaughlin shortly after his big win in this exclusive interview for Pit Pass Indy. Joining us now on Pit Pass Indy, we're proud to now call him an NTT IndyCar Series race winner. It's Scott McLaughlin at Team Penske. You've been called a lot of things in your career, best driver in supercar history, three-time champion. Now you're an IndyCar winner. Just having added that to your resume, how yeah. impressive is that? Uh, it's, I'm very proud. You know, Bruce, it's, a, it's, a, it's what we came here to achieve. It's probably happened earlier than expected, but... Um, 
very proud. Uh, a lot of hard work's gone into it and um, a lot of sacrifice. And uh, yeah, really proud to do it for Roger. Roger put the faith in me, Tim, Cindric. They were the ones that stayed, stood by me, my bosses, you know, and when things were bad, they were right there. So I feel really good and excited for what's ahead. The fact that the uh, race victory today, had to, you had to wait till Scott Dixon pitted with 22 to go. When you've got a driver in front of you that you know isn't going to make it to the finish, does it get a little anxious in the car going, when's he going to pit? When's he yeah. going to pit? Because you know after that, you're then the leader. I guess at that point I was just hoping for no yellows. Yeah, that was probably the, the, the one thing that I was just thinking in my head, like, please no yellow. And when he pitted, I knew that it was our race to lose. We had to just judge the traffic and whatever. And I saw the lap traffic coming and I knew that they were going to, like, Johnson's – Alex's teammate, he was going to make it a little bit difficult and then um, and then another Honda in front and it was just about me just, uh, you know, trying to judge that. I tried to hold Alex back and try not to catch the traffic but we ended up doing that and that, that, that made it interesting but, you know, if, you know, a lot of uh, hard work on my mind and making sure that was right and it, was, it worked out good. Will Power was rather vocal in saying that he thinks Jimmy Johnson should have pulled over. How did you see it? Yeah, I mean, it, it's all, all part of it. So, you know, it's... Um, you know, we'll just do. We just focus on what we need to do. I didn't need to do anything stupid at that point. So I, I knew at the end of the day, he was trying to hold. He was trying to, you know, be um, hold his lap, and, and just in case it was yellow, he wasn't a lap down. So it's fair game from that point of view, and those are the rules. So uh, yeah. So once you get Johnson out of the way, now you're looking into your mirrors. Here comes Alex. Yeah. How much could you discernibly see him closing off? Oh, it's tons. He was a big blue rocket ship in my mirror. And, and uh, yeah, I, was, I knew he was coming, but it was all about me. Just you know, I just had to hit my marks and, and make sure that I tried to slow him up enough that in the places where I needed to capitalize and, 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 and get away from him, I, I had the space to do that. And it worked out in the end. But you were coming up on a lap car there on that last lap. Did you think that car might get in the way? Oh, yeah, he was in the way, trust me. So, um, But at the end of the day, I knew where to position my car and where to get off to make sure that he was um, not, a, not a factor at the end. So there was a lot of expectations for Scott McLaughlin when you came over here last year. A lot of us may have thought that you would win right off the bat. But do you see that that was a season you really needed to go through before you could hit the ground running in your second season? Yeah, for sure. I needed to have that. I needed to have that that moment. Um, and, you know, I, I felt like we were very, um, you know, on the verge of some cool things if we qualified well. And then um, at the end of the day, when we... Um, uh, when we qualified well and got going, it was, uh, you know, it's certainly a good, good feeling to start from the front there and, and enjoy it. How much of this... Race victory was set up with your dramatic pole run yesterday because that was pretty intense. Yeah, that the was way in, you won the pole. That was intense, um, but that's that's what you got to do in IndyCar. You got to capitalize when you have a fast car, and we did. Um, to start on the pole today, I had I had the picking of when I wanted to lead the pack and leave and shoot off, got away, and and um, you know that that's really the pole really started our victory today, and um, you know it always does. Qualifying at the front in any series, especially a competitive series like IndyCar, it's important. So yeah. Street races always end up being a matter of different strategies. So how cognizant were you as the race played out, different drivers were leading, but they were all on a different fuel strategy? Yeah, look, it's, it's you just got to run your race. I learned last year that I can't think of what other people are doing. It's a matter of me just hit, tell, doing what like Kyle's telling me to do and, and hit my marks and save the fuel that I can. Um, and, uh, you know, 
and hope that, that at the end of the day, there's no yellows that affect your strategy. We were always going to have the preferred strategy being the lead car. Um, and it was all about just managing that when we got in front at the end. And, and, and thankfully we did. Roger Penske telling you that it's a marathon, not a sprint. Yeah. When it comes to an IndyCar career, how valuable were those words? Uh, just knowing that the trust was there for me. They knew that I could do it. They backed my talent and backed me. And, and I'm very proud to, you know, repay them with that and um, I'm very excited to head back to the shop and see and to see the 500 odd employees and, and we're very, very excited. And also according to Tim Sendrick you wanted to be an NASCAR driver when you came over here and then he basically said to you, hey have you ever thought about Indy cars? What was your desire to be an NASCAR driver? Did you think that that form of racing better suited the type of car that you had in supercars? Yeah, I, I guess I just looked at it that that's probably what they wanted me to do. And Tim was the one that put IndyCar in my head. And I'm like, I've been an IndyCar fan since I was a kid. And I'm like, yeah, I'd love to race IndyCar if you want me to. And here we are. <laughs> and, and yeah, I'm very, it's the most competitive series in the world. I love the season. I love how busy it is from this point onwards, but not too busy to not have a life outside of it. And it's a very, it's a very cool series. You haven't seen your mom and dad since the pandemic began in 2020. You FaceTimed with them in Victory Lane. How emotional was that? Yeah, very emotional. Mom and dad were crying. I was trying to hold it together as well, but yeah, it's part of it. And um, I can't wait to have them in May. It's going to be a, uh, it's going to blow their mind. It's going to blow their mind, especially 500 off the bat. What about when you saw your wife, Carly? Yeah, that was awesome. Yeah, she's, I told her, I said, if I win, I want you to be the first person I see. Uh, She wasn't the first person I saw, but she was damn near close. So she's a, she's a star. And in our last question here with Scott McLaughlin, the Firestone Grand Prix of St. Petersburg race winner, success is expected at Team Penske. You got to keep going forward to try to win a championship. But how about that big 106 Indianapolis 500 on May 29th? Uh, we can do it. There's no doubt. Um, we have as good a chance as anyone. I'm going to have a great car. I know that for sure. So the yellow submarine might be an underdog, but we'll come home strong. Scott McLaughlin, you can now call him an IndyCar Series race winner. Congratulations. Thank you for joining us on Pit Pass Indy. Thank you, Bruce. Alex Pillow of Chip Ganassi Racing is the defending NTT IndyCar Series champion. He started last season with a victory and began the 2022 campaign with a second-place finish behind Scott McLaughlin of Team Penske. Pelot's number 10 Honda was able to track down McLaughlin in the closing laps, finishing just 0.5095 of a second behind the race winner. With the St. Pete race in his rearview mirror, Pelot now looks ahead to the next race at Texas Motor Speedway on March 20th. It's the first oval race of the season and plays an important role as teams prepare for the 106th Indianapolis 500. Pelot also talks about defending his championship and how much he loves being called the champion. Here is my interview with Pelot for Pit Pass Indy. Joining us now on Pit Pass Indy is the defending champion of the NTT IndyCar Series. It's Alex Pelot, driver of the number 10 Honda at Chip Ganassi Racing. I bet that title being introduced as defending champion never gets old. Yeah, it's it's awesome to hear it. It's awesome to be back racing. Uh, season started and yeah, it's uh, it's something that we have to make it uh, work, right? We need to defend this title. It, it feels so good to have it. So I want to have it again next year. And it should be, should be hard this year. But uh, yeah, IndyCar 
uh, we know that it's getting tougher and tougher and it means even more when you can get a championship. Is the only thing better than being introduced as the defending champion is being introduced as the champion? Um, Either yeah, way, you're the champion. Obviously. Yeah, but obviously when they introduce you as the champion, it's I, f I feel it's it's good. But yeah, we need to to make it back to back uh, would be awesome. Um, and I think it's been a while since somebody did it. So it's a challenge that we have for this year. So the season's underway after the Firestone Grand Prix at St. Petersburg. Next race will be at Texas Motor Speedway. First oval of the season. It's going to be held in March, which is a little bit early for Texas. Hopefully the weather cooperates. But how important is that race for you? Yeah, it's important. I think last year, um, doing two races there, we got quite an okay results. I think we scored a fourth and a seventh. Um, so, yeah, Texas, we know we have a, a good car. Um, hopefully we can even improve it a little bit so we can be a bit more aggressive on, on racing. But, uh, yeah, it's an important race for me. I'm still trying to get better on the ovals, and, and it's going to be a good preparation for, for Indy 500. Even though those two ovals are completely different, why is it important to have an oval race at Texas before the Indianapolis 500? Yeah, they are totally different, the way you drive it, the way you defend, the way everything works and the car works. But uh, still, at the end of the day, you go into this oval mindset, the way you race and you try to get a pass, uh, get a run into the car in front is the same way. Um, and also the car, the way the car feels or you want to make changes is the same. So, yeah, makes you get into a rhythm before the biggest race of the year. And then heading to Indy this year, you got to feel like, especially after how close you came to winning it last year, that they're going to have to beat Alex Pelot to win the Indy 500. Yeah, we're all going to have to beat Elio first. But, uh, yeah, I mean, uh, obviously the result we got last year was pretty good. Um, I got a lot of experience from that, from battling with Elio. And I cannot wait to go back, to be honest. Like, it's, it cannot come quickly enough. I think I'm ready. I think I improved some stuff because I, I was able to analyze the race and, and, and just sit with myself and say, okay, what do we need to improve? So hopefully we will be better. Um, just one place better, it's going to be enough. So uh, hopefully we can make it happen. You can call him the champion, Alex Blow, driver of the number 10 Honda at Chip Ganassi Racing. Good luck this season. Thank you for joining us on Pit Pass Indy. Thank you so much. We'll be right back to Pit Pass Indy after this short break. In the world of racing, Penske means performance and winning. For good reason. Since 1966, Team Penske has won 44 national championships, 17 in IndyCar alone. And last year, Team Penske claimed its Indianapolis 500 record-extending 19th Indy 500 win with Joseph Newgarden, the latest driver, to win the famed race. Team Penske also won its second straight NASCAR Cup Series championship. In 2022, Penske was the first team in history to win both the IndyCar and the NASCAR Cup Series championships in the same season. Team Penske enters the 2024 NTT IndyCar Series season with 236 IndyCar wins, including 34 500-mile race victories. Those are results that are tough to top. But Penske's legendary reputation for quality and attention to detail makes a statement off the track, too. When you need a truck, 
Whether for your business or for a household move, Penske Truck Rental has some of the cleanest, newest, and best-maintained vehicles on the road. And we make it easy with personalized support from our associates, flexible reservations, and access to the top technology. With quick pickup and drop-off at more than 2,500 locations across North America, our scale and know-how will keep you covered, all helping to ensure you get the right, reliable, fuel-efficient vehicle when and where you need it. On the highways, the raceways, and every pit stop in between, Penske keeps you moving forward. Gain ground with Penske. Get a quote today at PenskeTruckRental.com or for household rentals, download the Penske Truck Rental mobile app today. Welcome back to this week's edition of Pit Pass Indy. Our next guest is one of the most famous and successful drivers in NTT IndyCar Series history. It's four-time Indianapolis 500 winner Elio Castroneves of Meyer Shank Racing. Castroneves is back for his first full season of IndyCar racing since the 2017 season at Team Penske. Beginning in 2018, Castroneves was moved over to that team's sports car program at Acura Team Penske. Castroneves continued to compete at the Indianapolis Motor Speedway during that time and won his first career championship in 2020 with the IMSA sports car program. He left Team Penske following that season and joined Meyer Shank Racing. Since that time, Castroneves has won two Rolex 24 Daytona sports car races and became the fourth four-time Indianapolis 500 winner with his dramatic victory last May. Here is my interview with Castroneves as he talks about returning to full-time duty in IndyCar in 2022. He's back for a full season in IndyCar. It's four-time Indianapolis 500 winning driver, Elio Castroneves. Four-time to full-time. How do you like that? <laughs> I love it. Um, back in St. Pete, um, as you mentioned, won three times. We've got to match the Indy 500 uh, four times, Texas four times. So we gotta, we got to have another win here so that we can get number four. The thing is, you arrived at St. Pete last weekend for your first race here since 2017. That's right. I know that you said earlier this week you made a pretty bad spectator when you showed up here beginning yeah. in 2018. <laughs> what was that like coming here and not really being on the grid? Yeah, it's not fun to be around uh, uh, the fans and uh, just watching. Um, I like to be around the fans racing because I suck their energy to go out there and, uh, and, uh, and do my best, which is driving. So it is, it is great to, 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 to be back full-time with IndyCar, obviously, um, with an amazing team and uh, a team that is growing and going up, upscale, which is, that's what we're looking for, so that one day this team is going to be, um, hopefully, a, a very consistent uh, fighting for championship. How far is this team away from contending for a championship? I don't think it's far, to be honest. Um, it's hard to tell, uh, but certainly we are accomplished things that we will always want to accomplish. And this gives us confidence. Not, I'm not talking about me, but give the, the, the entire group to look forward and say, like, we can do this. And that's what I'm really excited about it. Look, we did it yet last year with few races, but it's still with that, eh, lucky or people think something 
whatever they think. However, my, my opinion is it's an amazing quality, guys. Um, a great chemistry between all of us. And, um, and the environment is fantastic. So all of that with a great organization, with a, a partnership of Andretti Autosport, <laughs> there is nothing wrong for us to um, uh, all of a sudden fight for championship. How much does it help having a teammate on this team that you're very well familiar with from being at Team Penske? Every time you have someone that you work in the past, understand the teamwork um, uh, chemistry, push each other, it's just going to make the, the, the elevate the team to the next level. And, uh, and that's what we're starting to see already. What's your relationship like with Simon back from the days at Team Penske? Always great. Uh, Simon's been always great. Um, no, I think he has a great personality like mine. And uh, I tell you what, it, it's great to have someone that uh, you can call the next day and say, hey, what do you think about this? Should we go to this direction? And that's, that's what we need. We need, uh, we need to have a partner, not a, even that when we're here putting the helmets, we're competitive against each other, but you, you're fighting for, for the same objective, which is be there in the end, uh, um, fighting for the win. Next race up on the schedule is gonna be Texas Motor Speedway, another track that Elio Castroneves has been very successful at. How do you feel about returning there for the first time since 2017? Yeah, it's great. It's great to be back and watch the race actually live last year. And um, with Jack Harvey, they didn't have to qualify, but they were running really strong. So it's good to be back. Looking forward to a, a great race there. How important is it to get an oval race in this early in the season? It's huge. Are you kidding me? <laughs> it's absolutely huge. We can, we, can, uh, we can find so many things in preparation for... Uh, for the uh, Indy 500, so looking looking great. I know it's a different setup, wings, uh, different downforce, but it's always great to be to be a little bit ahead of the game when you're going to the Indy 500. The week after Easter, there's going to be a two-day test at the Indianapolis Motor Speedway. How important and valuable is that for anybody that's going to return in May? Also very huge. You can test things that uh, on the, the week of the race you won't be able to do it. Uh, you never know if it's the weather, if it rains and it takes times away. So it's always good to be back uh, and have extra days at Indianapolis Motor Speedway. All right, you've won an IMSA championship. You've won the Rolex at 20, 24 Daytona the last two years in a row. You won your fourth Indianapolis 500 in 2021. Are you getting better with age? I think so, man. Um, <laughs> I was joking about with my friends that they said about wine. I was like, you better be a Darn good wine, because <laughs> that's what's happening right now. <laughs> he certainly ages well. Four-time Indianapolis 500 winning driver and full-time NTT IndyCar Series competitor, Elio Castroneves. Good luck in 2022. Thank you for joining us today on Pit Pass Indy. Thanks, Bruce. Felix Rosenquist is back for his fourth season in IndyCar and his second at Aero McLaren SP. He was injured in a crash in the Chevrolet Detroit Grand Prix last June, and that set back some of the progress and momentum he hoped to achieve in 2021. Rosenquist tells me in this interview why the 2022 season is an important one for him in this Pit Pass Indy interview. Joining us now is Felix Rosenquist of Aero McLaren SP. You're back for your second year with the team. 
How much more confident are you that you can get back in the victory lane in 2022 and challenge Pato Award and others for the series championship? It's a way different uh, situation than last year. Um, obviously, I felt good in the team already last year, but you know, I think having done a season with the car and you know, with uh, just knowing how it feels to drive, like it's a it's a way higher confidence level going into this year. Also coming here to St. Pete, uh, one of my favorite tracks. I think couldn't be a better way to start the season. So yeah, man, I'm I'm. I'm I feeling pretty calm and you know I'm I'm definitely excited to see where we are after you know quite a lot of hard work over the off season but after St. Pete you go to Texas Motor Speedway for an early season oval race how important is that to get an oval in that early on the schedule I think it's good I think it sets you up well I think you get uh, you know everyone in the groove uh, for the super speedways uh, already become already before you come to the 500 so that that's um, I think that's huge. Uh, I love Texas as well. So honestly, it's like it's like some of my favorite races very early on in the season. That's going to be great. Paddle won at Texas last year. So you have to feel like everybody on the team has got a good setup for that track. How confident are you that it can be you in victory lane at Texas? Man, I think Texas is uh, one of the races now where, you know, the last three years I've been basically fighting for the win uh, in every race. Uh, but it's been a lot of drama happening in 2020, a crash, and 20, uh, last year we had a um, pit lane thing going on, a wheel fell off, and, you know, I, but it, we've always been up there, and I feel it's one of the tracks that I can really, you know, kind of break through uh, to victory lane on, on, on ovals. So, uh, yeah, the, I think it's one of our strongest tracks as a team as well. How much do you and Pato push each other? Well, I think we're both very competitive and, uh, you know, we have fun outside the track. But obviously, you know, in, in the car, we're, we're definitely competitive and we try to push each other very hard. I mean, last year he pushed me more than I pushed him. And uh, hopefully that's going to turn out differently this year. How much better prepared do you believe you are for the Indianapolis 500 in May? You know, it's one of those that you, get, you just get better and better every year. Um, all the practice, all the laps, uh, just going through the whole event uh, three times now, I think it's huge. And uh, that's also a race, man. I think we, we had a really good car last year. There was a couple of details that, uh, you know, maybe put us out of winning contention. But uh, I think this year it's a big push for 500. And, man, we're going to be, I think we're going to be up there. And how close do you believe you are to contending for the championship? For sure. close. I mean, last year was nowhere near. So, uh, you know, it, it has to be closer or a lot better than last year. And I'm, 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 I'm confident we made a good step. Uh, I'm really happy working with Craig, my new engineer. And uh, overall, I'm just, uh, you know, I'm in a completely different space that, than I was in the end of last year. And when did you realize that IndyCar is Felix Rosenquist's home? Well, I think as soon as I got here, I, you know, that's why, I've, that's why I've stuck around. You know, it was a big change at the time. Uh, from what I did previously, but um, yeah, man, I love it here. I want to, I want to win an IndyCar. Uh, I want to win championships and races so bad, and uh, you know that's, you know that's where all the hard work comes in, and uh, hopefully it paid off, and we can do it this year. Felix Rosenquist has all the ingredients to be challenged for the championship and win races. Good luck this season, and thank you for joining us on Pit Pass Indy. Thank you, Bruce. We want to close our show by paying our respects to the late, great Danny Angaius, 
who passed away on February 26th from congestive heart failure at the age of 79 at his home in Anaheim Hills, California. Angaius was a man of few words, but he drove a race car with the right foot of an elephant on the accelerator. No matter how fast Angaius drove his race car, he always wanted to go even faster, earning the nickname Danny on the gas. He is the only driver from Hawaii to compete in the Indianapolis 500 and gained another nickname, the Flying Hawaiian. Born May 21, 1942 in Kahului, Hawaii, Angaius began one of the most versatile careers of any driver in his era as a teenager, earning a Hawaii state title in motorcycle racing in 1960. Angaius also began drag racing in the early 60s and became one of the top straight-line competitors in America into the early 1970s. He finished runner-up to Mike Snively in the top fuel class in the 1966 NHRA U.S. Nationals after beating the legendary Don the Snake Prudhomme in the semifinals at Indianapolis Raceway Park. Angaius then won the funny car class in the 1969 NHRA U.S. Nationals at IRP, drag racing's most prestigious event, in a distinctive blue Ford Mach 1 Mustang fielded by the great Mickey Thompson. That victory came one year after Thompson tried to enter Angaius into the 1968 Indianapolis 500, but Angaius was denied because he had almost no experience in open-wheel race cars. Thompson and Angaius also teamed up to set nearly 300 national and international speed records on the Bonneville Salt Flats and a Mach 1 Mustang during the 1960s. Angaius' success in straight-line competition led him to be inducted into the Motorsports Hall of Fame of America in 2000 in the drag racing category. Service in the United States Army in the early 1960s exposed Angaius to sports car racing in Europe, and he moved from drag strips to ovals and road courses in the mid-1970s. Angaius dominated in SCCA competition in 1974, catching the eye of young media mogul Ted Field, who had recently founded the Interscope Records label. Angaius and Field teamed up with success in Formula 5000 and the IndyCar Series in the late 1970s. He also competed in four Formula One races in 1977 and 1978, including two starts with Interscope with a best finish of seventh in 1977 at the Canadian Grand Prix. The best season for Angaius and the Interscope team came in 1978 when he won five IndyCar races and eight poles en route to an eighth-place finish in the USAC IndyCar National Championship standings. That 1978 season also included Angaius starting in the middle of the first all-200-mile-an-hour front row at the Indianapolis 500 between pole sitter Tom Sneba and rookie Rick Mears. Angaius and Field's success with the Interscope team also extended the sports car racing with Field also driving. They teamed up with the legendary Hurley Haywood to win the Rolex 24 Daytona in 1979 in the Interscope Porsche 935 prototype. 
While Angaius was known for his blazing speed at Indianapolis and elsewhere, he also attracted attention for surviving some of the most violent crashes of his era. Angaius suffered serious injuries in a head-on crash in the 1981 Indianapolis 500, missing the rest of the season to recover. In 1985, he also survived a spectacular barrel roll at Michigan International Speedway after hitting the back of the slower car of Phil Kruger on the backstretch. Angaius crashed in practice and survived a concussion in 1987 at Indianapolis while driving for Team Penske, forcing him to miss the race. Al Unser was named as Angaius's replacement and drove to his fourth Indianapolis 500 victory in a backup car that was a show car earlier in May in a hotel in Redding, Pennsylvania. The tragic circumstances of an accident also led to Angaius's final start at Indianapolis in 1996. Pole sitter Scott Brayton suffered fatal injuries in a post-qualifying practice crash, and team owner John Menard hired Angaius as the replacement driver. Angaius, racing at age 54 in his first 500 since 1986, finished a credible seventh after starting from the rear of the field. Angaius's final attempt at Indianapolis came in 1998 when he failed to qualify in a Team Pelfrey car. Angaius's Indy 500 career ended with him leading in four races for 79 total laps. He also recorded the fastest lap of the race, 192.678 miles an hour as a rookie in 1977. For those of us who saw Danny Angaius race, he was a man who thrived on sheer raw speed. And that puts a checkered flag on this edition of Pit Pass Indy. We want to thank our guest, Firestone Grand Prix of St. Petersburg race winner Scott McLaughlin of Team Penske, defending NTT IndyCar Series champion Alex Pelot of Chip Ganassi Racing, four-time Indianapolis 500 winner Elio Castroneves of Meyer Shank Racing, and Felix Rosenquist of Arrow McLaren SP for joining us on today's podcast. Along with loyal listeners like you, our guests help make Pit Pass Indy your path to victory lane for all things IndyCar. For more IndyCar coverage, follow me at Twitter at Bruce Martin, one word, uppercase B, uppercase M, underscore 500. This has been a production of Evergreen Podcast. A special thanks to our production team. Executive producers are Bridget Coyne and Gerardo Orlando. Recordings and edits were done by me, Bruce Martin. And final mixing was done by Dave Douglas. Learn more at evergreenpodcast.com. Until next time, be sure to keep it out of the wall. Evergreen.